0: This this Thursday morning, I was so hungry. I mean, I'm getting hungry. And um, so I got online. I got on the uh, the Death Clock uh, website. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Uh, I just wanted to find out when I'm supposed to die. And so you type in some stuff. And I do this about once a year. You type in some stuff, and it comes up on the uh, the thing, and it tells you, you know, month and year. And so mine came up. Uh, I'm I'm supposed to die, according to the death clock, in September of 2026. I'm like, man, that's not that far along. So I went back to the data, and I changed my body mass index. (laughs) I knocked off like 12 points. And it came back the same exact date. And now I'm thinking, these guys planted a cookie, and they think I'm lying now. I don't know what's going on. I went back again. And I changed one other data point, and then it said September of 2046. I'm like, yes. And so the data point, in case you need to know this at some point, is uh, it asked about your outlook on life—is it you know positive, negative, whatever it is? I put normal, and I changed it to positive, and it added 20 years to my life. So I thought that was cool. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't suppose that you really ought to go. The only thing I determined about all of that was September is going to be a really bad month for me in some year. Um, but uh, here's, here's the truth. There is a date of death assigned to you and to me. And we don't know what that is. But my guess is that if we knew we would probably think that is too soon. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. Um, the psalmist in Psalm 34 said, or Psalm 39 said, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. I mean, this is David. He wanted to know this. And they didn't have uh, the death clock back then. So he's asking God. And, but he did it for this purpose. He already knew the answer, maybe not of the, the date, but he knew what he really wanted to know. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Let me understand just how short this is. Then in James chapter four, verse fourteen, uh, if you're not depressed yet, let me read this. You don't even know what your life tomorrow will be. You're like a a, a puff of smoke which appears for a moment and then disappears. And that's us. You know, a couple of weeks ago I talked about uh, it takes 20 years to build something great, and I encourage everybody to look at your next 20 years and sit down and plan. But the reality is that somebody could go home and be planning their next 20 years, and the next day their family could be planning their funeral. We just don't know how long we have. And so the real question isn't so, so much how how long do we have, but how are we going to live in the time that we've been given? And I, I, I think Scripture is so full of, of teaching us this and to have our, our minds concentrate on this. I've told you before, I, you know, what, I, I go to a lot of funerals and I, I oversee many. And, and one of the benefits I find of that is it just reminds me once again of the brevity of life. Even when life is long... It's not that long. And, and so how we live in the time we have is extremely important. In the Bible, there were two, uh, two men by the name of Saul. Brody already mentioned one of them this morning. And these two men had a chance to write their epitaph, what was going to be on their tombstone, and, in a sense. And, and so I want to read both of these epitaphs and let you see the stark difference and we're going to talk today about what makes some of the difference. One of these was in the Old Testament, one in the New. I want to read about Saul in the New Testament. And uh, he was the guy who's, who God changed his name to Paul. But in 2 Timothy verse, chapter 4, verse 6, he said, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous, righteous judge, will award to me on that day. What a, what a great thing to write about your life. Hey, I have poured my life out for God. I have lived in a way that pleases him, and I'm ready for the reward. Now listen to the other Saul out of the Old Testament. Then Saul said, this is, these are his last words pretty much. He goes, Surely, I have acted like a fool and have erred greatly. Now, what does this have to do with us, and where does this fit in with this whole idea of the whisper of God? Let me read this. I wrote this, and I just don't want to miss any of it, so I'm going to read it. God wants to use your life to make a difference in the world. He built your life. He has built your life, designed it, around a plan, a destiny, if you will. He's arranged circumstances, promptings, and urgings in order to direct you toward your unique destiny. And he wants to speak to you through that still, small voice. We're calling it a whisper to guide you, get this, to your very reason for existence. That's how important it is to hear God's voice. Awareness of these divine moments that matter is what spells the difference between a life of mediocrity and a life of destiny. In Acts chapter 2, you read about something that happens that is really important to us today. When Jesus uh, had finished his work here on earth after the crucifixion and his resurrection... He was with the disciples, and he promised to give a gift to his followers. And here's here's the the issue and and why we needed the gift. Jesus had a lot of power, uh, the power from his Father. I mean, he, he could do many, many things. But one thing Jesus did not possess was what we call omnipresence. He couldn't be everywhere all the time. That's why, you know, there was a limit to how many people could be healed by his ministry or how many people could hear his teaching because he was a man. He took on the aspects and characteristics of a man. And so he didn't have the ability, as his father did, to be everywhere at all times. And so Jesus said, look, my father's going to send a gift. And it's in the form of the Holy Spirit. It's the third part of the Trinity, And the Holy Spirit is going to be with us. He is everywhere. He is all-powerful. He's another representation of the Spirit of God. And here's something that happens with that. In Acts 2.17, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. That would be us. Your sons and daughters will prophesy... Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. The supernatural byproduct of being filled with God's Spirit, and that's what happens to us when we invite Christ into our lives, one of the things that he gives us are, are these dreams and visions. It comes with the territory. It comes with being a Christ follower. You are not left out on your own, to operate in your divine destiny. So every one of us who wants this and who has our, our spiritual gauge focused and, and dialed in have the ability to hear these whispers that, that Brody's been teaching us over the last two weeks. And these whispers are essential to our lives. I want to give you... I, did, I didn't put this in your notes, so you've you got some lines in there. Go ahead and... Write write these down if you you want. These are like three characteristics of these dreams and visions uh, that God will give you. And and let me just say this. If If you say, hey, God doesn't speak to me, I never hear anything, okay, write it down anyway. Because I think God's going to change some of that in you. So, here they are. Number one, these dreams and visions are not just for you. They will affect and inspire the people around you. This isn't, once again, all about us. It's about the people around us, the people we care for, the people we work with, the people that we meet on the street and first time It just has to do with everybody. And God will give you dreams and visions as it relates to others. These dreams and visions will always push you out of your comfort zone. Always. God's not going to give you a whisper and say, oh, you're doing cool. Don't, don't worry about anything else. That's not going to happen. Many times... And I, I'm, I'm putting this in because um, I just believe it's something that God is not just whispering, but he's shouting to our church these days. God's voice, his whispers, will affect our lives in terms of prejudice, in terms of bias. The greatest vision that you will read about in the New Testament, that actually really affected most of us here, is the vision... That God gave to Peter, Simon Peter, and he told him to go to the house of Cornelius. I won't go into all the story, but Cornelius was a Gentile, a non-Jewish person. And this was after Peter had started the church and he's out ministering. And God sent him there and gave him this incredible vision. It was like crazy. And the vision had to do with the Gentile world, which now, like I said, it incorporates most of us. It was through that whisper of God that the greatest prejudice of all times was demolished. Because up until then, everybody thought the, the Christ uh, life, the Christ following life was all about the Jewish people. And we found out later through this one event that God had this for everybody and we're still the recipients of that. Here's the last thing. You, these dreams will redirect you. They'll change your course. They're very disruptive. And you think you've got it all figured out, and then all of a sudden, God wants you to change. Now, sometimes this happens through circumstances, but sometimes it happens through him speaking, and if we don't hear it, we'll just keep going the wrong way. And I love this out of Isaiah. It talks about the Spirit of God. Isaiah does, and it says, If you go, to the, if you go the wrong way, to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the right way. You should go this way. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been doing something, and and it wasn't anything bad. It was just the way I was going. And God just says, I want you to stop. I've got a different direction for you to take. Something else I need you to do. And that's what God's Spirit does. Now, today, I want to give you three things that God's whisper will change for you. And uh, this, is, this, this is where we take this whole thing of God's voice and put it on the street. If you, if you don't walk out of here on Sundays with an action plan, we've let you down. And so I want to give you three things that you could consider today. Number one, write this down, whispers change your destiny. Whispers change your destiny, the plan that God has for your life. Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. I've told you this story so many times, you, some of you are sick of hearing it, but for me it was, the, you know, one of the big, big things in my life. Um... I was in business, working, and just you know, I was following God. I was serving God. We were we were involved in a church, serving, and just loving loving the church. And and you know, I I, I was having my quiet times. It, it just everything felt so good, and I, I I was actually we were really happy where we were, and felt like we were on track. And I was in my office working one day, and God just spoke to me, and and I I mean. It wasn't out loud. Uh, that would have freaked me out. But it, it was—it um, was just this knowledge. It was like this is over. It's over, and it was so final that I got up out of my office chair and walked. I had the office in the basement of our house, and I, I walked upstairs and 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 um, I walked into the library of our house, and I just sat down and, and I I was just stunned. I wasn't upset. I I, I wasn't really emotional but you know when God just says hey this is over and I've poured 15 years into this and how could that be over and what do you want and you know I'm happy 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 you know that song is me and and I, I saw a book on the bookshelf and it was Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Church and I read it and I got stung by God and went to California, found out what Rick Warren was doing and reaching unchurched people, and the history's short on this. Now, it's, you know, we started destiny. We, I didn't, I had no plans to do this. This was not on my radar. I, I, it wasn't like a future one day, maybe I'll do this. It, it just was gone. It, it, I had been through that phase of my life, and it got so obliterated it was never going to happen. And so, this was a shock to me. And, Yet I look at it, and I can't imagine living without you guys. I can't imagine this not being here. And it all came down to that whisper, that moment. That's what got the whole thing going. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't a a heart of, oh man, we got to reach unchurched people. It it wasn't any of that. It was just God saying, this is over. And then he had to lead me through the whole steps. It was two and a half years before we ever planted the church, but... It was so final for me. And just one, one whisper changed the whole destiny in the course of, of our lives, our whole family. I mean, it just changed everything. I, I, some of you know the story, the Greenway story, um, how, why I, we have that property now. Um, <laughs> it was terrible. This was right after cell phones were, were coming out. And I think I may have had the first auto accident related to being on a cell phone. And, um, I, and I, I don't know, I, I remember I was talking to uh, Jennifer, our daughter, and, and I'm talking, and then the next thing you know, I, I slammed into this Volvo in front of me. I mean, no brakes, no nothing, it, like that. And it happened right in front of Greenway. And so, bottom line is, the Volvo had about $150 worth of damage to it. My car ended up having $10,000 worth of damage to it. So obviously, I didn't drive it away. Um, After we, you know, we did everything else, the guy who owned Greenway was standing out there along the the road just watching all the activity, and when I knew that somebody was going to have to come pick me up, I just went over and started talking to him. I said, man, I've driven by here a thousand times, and I love this place. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's amazing, and... um, he said, well, it's, it's going to be for sale. And I said, really? And then I just kind of blew it off because I figured it was way out of uh, my reach. And sure enough, a couple months later, it came up for sale, and it was like, oh, man, several million dollars plus. And, and um, it was, there was just no way. And I was just praying one day in my office, and, and I just felt led to go offer this guy a ridiculous amount of money for this property. And I did. I mean, ridiculous. And um, and the, the realtor called me back. He said, Greg, I'm, I'm, I'm required to present every offer that comes in. And he goes, I'm going to present it, but, you know, unless you can get into the real world, uh, this is never going to happen. And so I said, look, look, man, this is as real as I can get. And he... Um, he said, okay, and then he he just uh, called me or, or emailed me later and just said, hey, um, don't know if you heard the guy laughing, but, um, you know, it's not going anywhere. And literally, it was it was the craziest thing. I was heartbroken over that. I, I'm a businessman. I know you, you can get your hopes set on buying something or doing something, and it falls apart, and it's not yours. But this bothered me for some reason, and <clears throat> so... I just kind of wrote it off, and okay, what was that all about? Thirty days later, the guy calls me back. He said, is your offer still good? I, said, <laughs> I didn't even know how I was going to find the money I offered. I said, yeah. And he goes, okay. Um, the guy says he wants out right away. He's got something else he needs to do. He just needs to get his money out of it. And he said, he'll take your offer. And I said, well, it's still kind of expensive can you knock another $100,000 off? And I got an email back later, uh, yeah, we just we just knocked another $100,000 off. I've, I've always kicked myself because I probably could have asked for two hundred and <laughs> been okay. <clears throat> but I bought that property, and um, it wasn't until after we owned it, that I found out about the history of the property and how it was uh, was one of the very first settlements in, in our county in 1742 the the original house was was built it was built by Quakers who dedicated the property to God and these guys were some of the first people uh in our country the Meade family the first people to oppose slavery and that was an opposition that went all the way in through the Civil War. Their family, although they lived here in Virginia, all were, uh, their, their sons were all soldiers in the Union Army. I mean, they they were totally opposed to slavery. And and this family, from generation to generation to generation, just, just handed this down to several uh, groups of Quaker relatives. And then it went through all this thing where everybody else owned it, and then... We owned it, and um, man, I've been carrying the note on that thing for 13 years and uh, just never got any traction, but I was waiting on God's whisper, and I am so excited about, I've shared that vision, I'm not going to share any more about it today, I'm so excited for, for what we all get to do and be part of there, I'm excited for your children And what they'll get to do there and the 60% of reaching 60% of the people who will never go to church. It's going to be amazing. But my point is this, that that God's whisper changes our destiny. I want to read something out of uh, a book that Mark Batterson wrote that actually we got the title for this and some of the the, uh, information. It's called Whisper. And this is called The Imprint. In 1973, an Austrian biologist named Conrad won a Nobel Prize for his study of geese. We have a lot of geese over Greenway, too. In the first days of life, goslings undergo a phenomenon called imprinting. During that process, it's imprinted upon their brain whom to follow. If a bond fails to form, then the gosling doesn't know whom to follow. Worse yet, Abnormal imprinting can cause it to follow the wrong voice. Not unlike goslings, babies are imprinted by their mother's voice. The inner ear is the first sensory system to develop, becoming fully functional by the fifth month in utero. By the seventh month, a baby recognizes and responds with specific muscular movements to his or her mother's voice. Simply put, a mother's voice print leaves a neural fingerprint that imprints her baby's brain. Now, the good news is this. You are imprinted by God. You not only bear his image, but you know his voice. It's his voice that knit you together in your mother's womb. It's his voice that ordained all your days before one of them came to be. It's his voice that began a good work, and his voice that will carry it to completion. Whether you recognize it or not, God was, his, was the first voice in your life. Then he asked the question, is he the loudest voice in your life? That's the question. That answer will determine your destiny. Let me ask the question this way. What could happen in your life if you were open to God's <laughs> whisper? What could happen? If you were open to his whisper, here's the second thing: whispers change. This is uh, this is so incredibly applicable. Whispers change your children. You need to write this stuff down. Whispers change your children. There's a passage in scripture that I think may be the saddest thing. You would read, especially for a parent, and then I, I think this explains a lot about where our nation is today. In Judges two ten, it says that whole generation had joined their ancestors in death. So another generation grew up after them. They had no personal experience with the Lord. You know, there's one thing that all of us or most of us will leave behind in this world, and that is our children. And we want to leave a legacy of blessing with them. But how many of you parents know that parenting is not a piece of cake? It is. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you're murmuring. Uh, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Proverbs twenty-two 6. Now, I'm going to share some things with you here because I, I, I feel like, man, God could really do some things in your life with this thought. Proverbs 22.6 says, says, train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, I I always heard, wrongly, that what this passage of Scripture meant, which was something that I had always held on to, is that if we train up a child to follow Jesus Christ, that they won't depart from that. They'll always stay true. And that is so not correct. And I want you, as parents, first of all, to understand this. We have all messed up in parenting. Every one of us. Just like we've messed up in following Christ. Because we're human. And we have bundles of emotions and things just get in the way. That passage of Scripture, wrongly interpreted, will make you feel like you blew it. You've done something so wrong. And I would like to encourage you by saying, yep, you probably did. But it wasn't that. You are, as a parent, in war. And Satan's doing everything he can to steal your child. And so, the true picture of what this verse says may have more benefit for you than perhaps a promise that you thought you had and doesn't exist. So I want to I make sure you understand what I'm saying today. This whole idea of training a child up in the way he should walk and go had nothing to do with his life or her life In Christianity and how it protects them. Now, don't get me wrong, that is so essential and it is everything because it's foundational and you need to be the spiritual leader for your children. The church is not supposed to do that. That's your job and you need to give them everything that you can to work with. But that's not what this verse is talking about. It's talking about you studying your child, getting to know what makes them tick. And some of you are like, man, I have no clue what makes my child tick because he's walking to a beat of a different drum than I've ever heard in my whole life. I get all of that. I understand all of that. But God is saying we need to study them. We need to try to understand them. And one parenting model does not fit all kids. It just does not. We have four children that we try to impact, and all four of them work on different Uh, galaxies. (laughs) I've shared what I'm about to share with you before, but I just want to give you an example of, of our son, Ryan. Ryan is the quiet one in our family. Thank God there's somebody who's quiet in our family. That is so wonderful. It is amazing. But because of his reserved way, he was hard to study. He didn't tell me. Who he was, he didn't say things a whole lot, and it was it was intriguing to me. But I felt this this compelling. I got to find out where. I I felt that with every one of our children too. I want to find out what makes him tick. One of the early indications was every time I would go outside to work or cut down trees or whatever, um, he was always out there with me, just working alongside of me all the time, And, and none of the other kids. They were all, you know, being educated by television. They just would not step outside. So this was different. I could see that. The other thing that he really liked was riding with me on my tractor. And and he would just sit on my, my knee, and I'd be going around the yard. The, we had a big yard, and I'm, I'm driving a tractor. And we would just sit for hours, not even talking. It was just fun. He wouldn't even move. And and. It was so incredible, and I thought, "Okay, this is my thing. It's machines. I'm going to connect with him with machines." Now, I've had a long history of working with machinery. The first time I was arrested, it was I was 11 years old. <laughs> this is this is true. I was 11 years old, and I had I was in this place in the town of Winchester, and there was a there was a big asphalt Laying down machine. I don't even know what it's called one of those things got a big bucket dump trucks dump asphalt in it Well, whoever left it there left the keys in it and So I figured out how to turn it on and I figured out how to drive it and I was driving all around this neighborhood in this machine and and Now I think about it now. I had to look really weird and somebody called the police and I got into an alley and the police car was right in front of me. So I put it in reverse. Those machines do not move very fast. And so I was cooked. The guy at 11, right? The guy um, didn't put me in jail. He did something worse. He called my dad. And that was, that was bad. Um, the next time I stole a machine, it was in, I was older. And it was a, one of those big diggers in a quarry, a stone digger and they left the keys in it. It's not my fault. And I got, to, I got to use the thing. It was amazing. Right up until the police showed up. They were everywhere. Um, I have stolen bulldozers, loaders, a logging machine one time. That was, that was a major thing. And two tractor trailers. And um, I've just driven them anywhere, everywhere, wherever they leave keys. And, um, I've just loved them. So I understood Ryan. I got it. And so for all of his growing up, we've been riding mowers and trucks and tractors. We've owned all of them at this point. I've tried to change my ways. But it it was just a a way to connect. It was something different. And, And I've tried to do that with each one of my children. I try to figure out what makes them tick, and I try to get there because I need to understand how to coach them, how to lead them. Even to this day, uh, they'll tell you I'm, I'm all up in their stuff. Um, and that's an adventure. It, it, you know, and I've so many times, I've just, well, first of all, God explained to me this scripture. I got this from a teaching that somebody gave, and I'm like, oh, that's what you do. And, and so that was a, a whisper that I needed. And, and I have prayed individually for every one of my children God, show me what it is. Show me what I can do. Show me what I can, how I can change things here. And he's been so faithful to do that. And I want to take a moment right now just to talk to some of you who have children who have just gone off the rails. And you are, I mean, it's the greatest pain in your life. It has to be. And, and I, want to, I want to share some things with you today because... First of all, if you're here, that story is not over. And one of the things that I would highly, well, a couple things. One, get with God. Get with God. First of all, I, I, you know, pray for protection. Just pray for God's protection. And then get to a, a hearing place where you can hear God's whisper, when you can hear Him speak to you. And then ask him to help you understand. Understand your child. Here's what we do as parents somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do, what I've planned on, what I knew they were supposed to do. And they go off the rails, and I come at it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to head it off. I'm going to say things. I'm going to do things. It never works. Never. Something's going on that you don't see, you don't understand as a parent. And your first thought needs to be, okay, God, talk to me. Let me see. And as a parent, what I would coach you to do right now is this. Love that child. I mean, let them feel it. Let them see it. I don't care what you have done or where you're at. I'm your greatest fan I don't care where you know all the stuff behind us I want you to know I have been broken over this and I see I haven't loved you the way I should have and I'm gonna I'm gonna love you to death And you start there and you start watching as the pieces of that foundation begin to crumble. Now, let me tell you this. It may not change overnight. It may take 10 years of you doing it. In some cases, you may not live long enough to finish it. But you will have implanted something that will change your child and impact them forever. And the story will never be over as long as you hear the whisper of God and move on it. And it will change but it takes you leading that what could happen in your child's life if you were open to God's whisper number three whispers change the world i'm going to just show you a video that we shot like six or seven years ago of something that happened to me let's take a look at this God has a plan for our lives he's got a plan for my life he's got a plan for your life but i've often thought you know it'd be kind of cruel of God to have this great plan for our lives and then not tell us what it is so we would just be guessing about how we're supposed to live or what we're supposed to do or the decisions that we're supposed to make so god talks to us he speaks to us and we have to learn how to hear his voice but there was a day when i heard from god and i didn't have to wonder if it was him i didn't have to wonder what he said i've never had an event happen like this before this time nor have i had one happen after but about 30 years ago I was driving right here on this street, Kent Street in Winchester. I'm driving up this road to go to the hospital to visit somebody, minding my own business. Cars are parked on both sides of the street. And as I came up over this hill, all of a sudden there was this voice, a loud commanding voice in my car that said, stop the car. I didn't think about it. I didn't wonder who it was. I just instinctively slammed on the brakes If anybody had been behind me, they would have just crashed into the side of my car because I turned my car sideways in the road trying to stop. I just sat there for a second, a brief second, when suddenly, in front of my car, two little boys ran out between the parked cars right into the path of where I had been driving across the other lane. Fortunately, no other cars were coming that way and into the arms of a father who was standing there who was so scared he picked up his boys he began to curse and yell and then hug them filled with fear and and anger everything at the same time but such emotion he couldn't even control himself and then I saw the tears in his eyes and he looked at me and he said thank you well he didn't know this but it wasn't anything I did You see, God spoke to me. There's no other explanation. I wasn't looking for kids. I was thinking about something else. I probably wasn't driving all that safe, but God spoke to me in an instant. And when he did, there was no question that it was him. I don't know the theology of that. Was it an angel? Was it God? Was it Jesus? Who cares? God took care of business that day. He spoke to me. He saved the life of two little boys. He saved a a family from being decimated. And he saved me from having to live with that awful event, possibility, for the rest of my life. Listen, God speaks to us. He doesn't always do it like that. I'm kind of glad. But you know what? When he speaks to us, lives are changed. Our lives are changed. The lives of others around us are changed. We need to learn how to hear God's voice. I've always wondered about that event. It was so, um, it was so crazy for me. I I don't even remember going to the hospital after that. I do remember going to my dad's house and telling him what happened, and say I just and I was shaking. Um, It was it was just I mean it, it just messed me up for a long time. But I've often wondered uh, several things. I've often wondered about that dad. He was a big, burly guy, looked like a biker, you know, just tough and mean. And and I just wondered what what that did to him and, and where he is. I wondered about those two boys and why would God do this? You know, what what was in front of them? Why why would this change? And, and then I thought, what would that have done to me? And who would I be today? And and I don't I don't know that you ever. Get over something like that, and um, the voice of God can can change everything. It doesn't happen like that often, and I think we should all be thankful for that. But boy, the whispers—they they make a huge difference. They, they they matter. Here's the last thought I want to give you. God whispers to non-believers. I think maybe as much or more than he does to Christ followers. So if you're here today, um, and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, he's been talking to you. You, you don't see it, maybe. You don't feel it. Well, you, you feel it, I would imagine. For one thing, what brought you here? Maybe it was an invitation. Maybe it was just a an urge, you know, to go into something like this. You don't know anybody. You know, that can be a little scary. I get that. But there was something that brought you today. And the other thing that God does, and, he, and He's so gentle and, and amazing with this, is He doesn't condemn us. I, I loved uh, the song that we sang and uh, the Mephibosheth story today because we, we, we think that God is out to get us all the time. He's just speaking to us to love, to come to Him. So, if you have that whisper going on today, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to it. And it works like this. You just simply say yes to God. You say, I invite you into my life. I want you to become my Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sins if you would. I want to have a relationship with you. This isn't about religion or joining a church. This is all about a relationship with somebody who wants to talk to you on a regular basis. And so if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me and then um, we'll, uh, we'll move on. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, maybe unexpected, but I come and I sense and feel you talking to me. And I need a relationship with you and I invite you to come into my heart right now. I ask you to make yourself real in my life. As best I know how, I want to hand you my life in the situation that it's in. I'm not getting all cleaned up for you. I'm just giving you me. And I'm asking you to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sin, and to lead my life. pray this prayer in the powerful name of Jesus Christ now Lord I pray for all of us I pray for parents who are struggling today with where their kids are I know we have plenty of those situations I just pray that you would help us to hear speak to us Give us insight and wisdom that we've never had before. Lord, personally, I just pray for every one of these children, kids, even adults that are children here, represented here today. I pray for their salvation. I pray for their protection. I pray that you would lead them home to you. Lord, I pray that all of us would hear the voice of God. And that we would respond. And that our faith would continue to grow. And we'd continue to build our, our time with you and our relationship with you. So that we'd always recognize. And when we're going the wrong way, we would hear your voice say, No, don't go to the left, go to the right. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.